Welcome everybody to the Keto Endurance Podcast. I have a special guest today, Jake Steiner, who's going to tell you all about correcting poor eyesight, which is super exciting. I have looked at a few of Jake's videos and it's really interesting. So welcome, Jake. Thank you, Stephanie. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. <laughs> Fixing your eyesight has actually been something that I have been curious about for a while. And a friend of mine who is a, a, a surgeon, optic eye surgeon, ophthalmologist, I asked him, I'm like, is there any way to fix your eyesight? And he said, no, there's not. He had looked into it, but there wasn't. But apparently there is a way. Yes. And that's a great way to start, actually, really, because I, I have these conversations a lot. And I just had one of these exact this morning, oddly enough. And here's the thing with the eye surgeon and fixing eyesight and reversing myopia, the short version, there's a ton of unicorn farming stuff on the internet, right? Where people are, have these crazy ideas and sell you some kind of pipe dream and you can reverse this and you can fix this and you can fix that. So what people that are incredibly busy, like somebody who's a surgeon is very busy with their day-to-day -day life. They're not really spending a lot of time doing research. So kind of what you hear about is you can reverse your eyesight, but it's like weird Bates method eye exercise stuff that doesn't really actually work. Is and that also the, with what, the little pinholes in the glasses? Yeah, pinhole glasses is one. That's another one. And then there's all these eye exercises and eye vitamins and eye yoga. They're all things that I think they come from the right place. People wish for better solutions. They're looking for alternatives to glasses, but they're not really workable. And then the problem is that we confuse somebody who's a surgeon, I would absolutely trust with surgery right? But it doesn't automatically mean that they're doing scientific research about other things related to the eye. So it's really common. It's incredibly common, unfortunately, for both these things. People look online, they find eye exercises which don't work. And then they ask somebody who they trust, who is apparently in a related field, but not in the right specific area of the field. You know what I mean? Like great at surgery, but right. when we're talking about because my first question, and I stopped antagonizing these types of people years ago, thankfully, but my question used to be, so what causes myopia, right? Like understanding, because you can't really reverse an issue very easily, or you can't understand if the idea will work if you don't understand the cause, right? Right. And that's with a lot of things, with um, health and nutrition, Sure. Yeah. So causality is question number one. So when I ask the question, okay, what causes myopia? And for those listening who are into Google Scholar, I'm a huge fan of Google Scholar. Scholar.google.com access to a ton of, it's basically a search engine just for clinical science and peer-reviewed publications, not the general internet. So if you go to Google Scholar and you type in pseudo-myopia, that's where myopia starts. And myopia, by the way, for those who don't know the term, I apologize, nearsightedness. So you can not see clearly far away. You need to wear glasses to see at a distance. So if you go to Google Scholar and you type in pseudomyopia, you're going to find tens of thousands of published clinical science articles discussing when myopia starts. And it starts basically as a spasm of your focusing muscle in your eye. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. It's, it's unfortunately very simple. The, the answer to myopia is unlike 
things like keto diet and things that have so many variables and things to figure out. Myopia is super simple. It's a strain symptom. You spend too much time looking at books or staring at screens. There's a focusing muscle in your eye. And the closer up you're focused, the tighter that muscle gets because it's, it's moving the lens in your eye to, to move the light basically to have a clear image up close, very similar to camera. And if you keep that muscle tight for too long, it doesn't fully release. So now you don't have clear distance vision, but it's kind of temporary. The next question, so does stretching the muscle help relieve that? Like how do you relieve that spasm? It would be super simple to fix pseudomyopia. And by the way, for those who like Google Scholar, near-induced transient myopia, NITM, is another very common term that describes the same idea as pseudomyopia. That ciliary spasm, if all you would do is take a weekend and go outside and go hiking and camping, when that first happens, when you're first, quote-unquote, diagnosed with that initial myopia, it would just be gone. A couple days not staring at screens would absolutely fix pseudomyopia. So what happens if you don't fix it? Is that when your eyes go bad? Yeah, I like your question. That's, that's exactly what happens. So almost all myopia, there is genetic conditions, there's other stuff, but they're exceedingly rare. Most commonly for most people, it's looking at screens, right? Like that's where it starts. The problem is then you go to an optic shop which is a retail store selling lenses at very high markups, right? Like people confuse it with medical condition, which is not, it's not an illness. And the person you're seeing is most likely not a doctor. Most people that buy glasses buy them in a shopping mall in a place that sells fashion frames and lenses at big markup. Just to preface, the people you're talking to there are not people that are trying to help you, they're selling you glasses. And basically what happens, that muscle is tense in your eye, it's not fully relaxed, You'd need a couple days to relax it. Or you put minus lenses in front of your eye, which move the light back further in your eye, compensating for that spasm without fixing it. So basically, you have a muscle spasm and you put the glasses on and now you can suddenly see clearly again. And the apparent condition, which is really not, appears to be fixed by putting on glasses. Right, but it is a doctor who does the eye exam. Mm, that's a great question. And a, in some jurisdictions, there is a requirement. In a lot of jurisdictions, there's not. In a lot of cases, the optometrist, and again, because I do this worldwide, it depends where you're at. In right. a lot of cases, the optometrist is not an MD, is not a doctor. Okay. Um, well, I think, well, I have a couple friends who are optometrists. I don't know if they're MDs or not. Yeah. MDs. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. And in some places they have to be, in some places they don't. The important thing to note here though, and it's a great side topic here, is there's no illness, right? It's a focusing muscle spasm, not according to me or some internet unicorn farm, but peer-reviewed clinical science. And ironically, most of this peer-reviewed clinical science is in optometry and ophthalmology journals. So pseudomyopia as the beginning point of myopia is very widely discussed, is not really an argument. The problem is there's a huge divide between the clinical science side and the retail sales side. So the people that are trained to sell you glasses are not the same people that are researching this stuff. So it's really odd because it's, I'm finding all this stuff in optometry journals and ophthalmology journals that are meant for the optometrists and ophthalmologists, who incidentally are the same people telling you it's genetic. 
So it's really confusing, but it makes it a lot easier if you make the division of, does this person make money selling your glasses or does this person get paid to do clinical research? Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And eyeglasses do have a huge markup. I mean, how much does it cost to put a bunch of plastic together? Ooh, I do love your questions. There is an article in the LA Times about lens crafters. People can find it online. I thought it was a fascinating article because it exposed the fact that I've long been saying wholesale cost of a high quality brand name pair of lenses, not the glasses, but just the lenses with all the coatings, with everything to the optic shop is about $1.50. Holy cow. That's crazy. (laughs) It is. It was a Newsweek article? LA Times. LA Times. There's a few, but it was specifically about lens crafters, and it was specifically an executive from lens crafters who left or retired who exposed the whole thing. 5,000% markups are entirely common. That's crazy. (laughs) So next time, so you you start to have your, your nerve spasm. And you decide, you know, you get glasses and then what's the next step from moving away from that and removing that spasm? Yeah. So the, the, the next step actually is once you start wearing glasses, the glasses, all they do is they're a clear curved piece of plastic. That's why they're only $1.50 at wholesale. So all they do is move the light a little bit further back in your eye to compensate for the muscle spasm. What is ignored by this little treatment is the eye has a mechanism in it that changes its eyeball length continuously since you're born for the whole of your life based on environmental stimulus. So basically, the eye has a mechanism in it that always rechecks that it's working properly and that it's getting the proper refractive state so that you're getting clear vision near and far. And to do that, it it adjusts its length. There are studies showing that that length adjusts in measurably in as little as 60 minutes. So you can measure somebody's eyeball length changing in as little as an hour, adjusting based on stimulus. And the short version here is once you put on minus lenses, that mechanism in your eye says, hey, there's something wrong here. I'm too short. And the eyeball starts growing longer. And hopefully this is not too dense, but the, the really, really no, short version interesting. Yeah, you put on glasses, and as soon as you put on glasses, you're giving the eye the stimulus saying, hey, I'm too short, and it's elongating. And an elongating eyeball is uh, nearsightedness, is myopia. So you get your first pair of glasses, and next year you come back, and now you're going to need a stronger pair of glasses. And it's not that your eyes are getting worse. It's not that there's something wrong with you. It's the treatment itself is causing more myopia. Usually... I mean, for a lot of people, they keep, their eyes keep getting worse. Yeah, well, and that's, that's the beauty of the lens subscription theme. Like first, they're making 5,000% markup on those lenses. And then as soon as you start weighing those lenses, you're going to need more of them and stronger pairs of them. And for most people, this continues increasing. That depends on genetics a little bit and use, but three, four, five doctors is pretty common. So Once the optometrist gets you, you become a recurring revenue stream of a lot of profit. And by the way, uh, Google Scholar, because we love science, lens-induced myopia. If you go to scholar.google.com and you type in lens-induced myopia, last time I checked, a couple days ago, probably there were 50,000 results, 50,000 results 
of clinical studies showing that what I'm saying is factual, that minus lenses cause increasing myopia. That's interesting. But what's the next step to, like, let's say someone is decided, I don't want to wear glasses anymore. I'm convinced that it's my right nerve and I want to fix it. What's the next step? The next step is, so there's two, there's only two pieces. It's really super simple. One is you do not want to wear distance glasses when you're looking at a screen close up. The biggest part of this stimulus that's making your eyeball grow longer, which you absolutely want to avoid, by the way, called hyperopic defocus, that's the stimulus if you want to look up it up on Google Scholar, is your distance glasses are not meant for close-up. If you're wearing what you're, what's meant for distance while you're looking at your screen, that's the thing that's inducing your eyesight to get quote-unquote worse. So first thing you need to do is if you have low myopia, just take off your glasses when you use a computer. If you have high myopia, unfortunately, you have to get lower strength glasses for your close-up. No way around it because you have to remove that negative stimulus, right? So you need lower correction glasses for close-up. And then you need to learn about stimulus. Like the same thing that makes your eyes quote-unquote worse can also make your eyes better. And that means wearing slightly lower dioptic glasses where you can still see clearly, but your vision is very slightly challenged. So now you're, you're telling your eyes, hey, this is not clear enough. I need more of this. And slowly over time, your vision improves till you don't need glasses anymore. Oh, cool. That's pretty simple. I had yeah. um, LASIK surgery that corrected my eyesight. And then it's gotten, got worse. But then I, well, I got glasses, but they were very minor. And I only wore them for driving. Well, I can't find the driving glasses, so I haven't been using them, but I do notice a difference when I wear the glasses to drive that I can't, I don't focus as well on things close up when I don't wear them, when I'm not wearing them driving. So I'm wondering like, what is, obviously my eyes are getting used to the corrective lenses because it's making a difference, but how can you are there eye exercises that you can do to help with the faster focus or better focus? Yeah, so this theme of having had LASIK and then needing glasses again is incredibly common because LASIK doesn't address the cause that we just got into, right? Like LASIK is just basically a lens cut into your cornea that is permanent and that's replacing the function of glasses, but it's not a real fix. So unless you address the underlying issue, which is too much screen time usually, it tends to be that your myopia recurs after LASIK. So the best thing to do there is build a habit. I don't really love exercises because it's really hard to sustain over long periods of time, but the habit of looking for things at a distance that are slightly blurry, especially text like billboards and street signs and, and car license plates, that are not so easy to read without your glasses and try to clear them up. And this, this phenomenon I call active focus because there really isn't a great term for it of slightly blurry text, being able to clear that up. Everybody has that ability. And once you figure that out, right, like something's a little blurry and you blink at it and it clears up, that's the stimulus you want. So in order to prevent your LASIK results from becoming less effective is training yourself to continually challenge your eyesight whenever you think of it outside and you want to limit screen time especially that's really close 
because the closer it is to your eyes, the more that muscle is tense. So like a, a computer distance, like if we say 80 centimeters to a screen, that's pretty good. But a phone at half of your arm length distance, that's a lot more strain, right? So you have to start learning to recognize that the proximity is bad and the more you can get distance and the more you can challenge your eyesight, the more it's going to stay the way it was when you first had that LASIK procedure. Some things, do you recommend like focusing on things that you can see closer that you can actually focus on and then continually progressively looking further and further away that you can look at letters or, or numbers? You can Sometimes do that. Your eyes are bad enough, you know, so bad that you couldn't focus on a street sign without your glasses, but you could probably focus on, you know, that was a block away, but maybe focus on something that's closer. Sure. And I'm, I'm kind of, we have to realize here, I'm, tr I'm trying to compress this since we're, we're having a, just a conversation here. And this topic gets a little bit more detailed once we dig into the actual, like, how am I doing this? The main thing is, if you're wearing stronger glasses, you want to figure out how much less correction do I really need, right? Like if the so-called prescription says five doctors, maybe you only need 4.5. Right, like enough of a reduction where there is still clarity, but a little bit of challenge. Because right now, what the optometrist tells you is like you can see ants on the moon, right? Like right. they're gonna make it as strong as possible. Happy customer, right? Right. So, how do you order those glasses? If mm. do you order them? Because I know there's all kinds of online glass companies now that haven't been around before. Would you just like, oh, my doctor gave me this prescription or I have this prescription and I'm going to back off some of it when I order? So the first thing I would suggest is if you're really going to get into getting rid of your glasses, assume that you're going to spend a few months, a few months, few weeks reading and learning before you make any changes. The last thing you want to do is change your glasses before you have a really good insight and on the website, I explain how you can measure your eyesight at home. You don't need to go to an optometrist for that. Uh, you can figure out the degree of your myopia very easily. It's just a distance to blur. Keeping a bit of a log, improving the lighting in your close-up conditions. You first want to have a really good understanding of your eyesight and of the basics here of what, what myopia is, how it works, how strong your glasses are, how strong your glasses need to be. So till you're at least a few weeks in exploring in detail, you don't want to change your glasses. Like, it's not really dangerous in any way. Like it's just clear curve pieces of plastic, but it's a good idea to really know what you're doing before you do anything. And then I can't make recommendations specifically on where to buy glasses because different jurisdictions have different legal requirements that optometry has very successfully lobbied for. So right, there's so no. You're, um, you're in Colombia. Oh, that would be cool. At this moment in Thailand for about a week or two, but oh, I travel, but I'm only here for a week and I travel continuously and I'm all over the world. And here, for example, you can buy whatever you want. In most of Asia, pretty much, you can just say, this is what I want and they will sell it to you. In other areas, like for example, in the UK is the extreme opposite where you can't get anything without a quote unquote doctor's prescription. So it depends very much where you are. A lot of people go online, they buy online. And the industry doesn't like me one bit because I'm basically advocating for people to make their own choices. And a lot of lobbying has happened to prevent that. So you have to go through one of these lens sellers who make 5,000% markup to buy glasses through them. 
the business is moving online. These restrictions are becoming less strong. There's starting to be companies are selling little at-home eye measuring tests that give you quote-unquote prescriptions. So there's a lot more flexibility. And if you really want to have lower correction glasses, you're going to be able to find them online. And also in, in many places in the world, I found that there are supportive optometrists who will work with you because there's no legal requirement for you to wear glasses, the strongest possible glasses. For example, in the US, the DMV, the Department of Motor Vehicles, requires you for your driver's license to see 2040. Just to give you a context here, there's no, there's no law or rule that requires you to see 2010, like perfect on the eye chart. You just have to see a reasonable part of the eye chart. So technically, an optometrist legally can sell you glasses that you want that are safe and that are like enough correction. So if you kept go 2040 and then you work on these eye exercises in theory, then you could back off to a 2040 again and until you get to 2020. Basically. I mean, if we're really simplifying it, that's mostly all there is to it. Could be 2030. You know, it depends where you're comfortable. So could you get to 2020 or 2010 by doing these focusing exercises? I did. Oh, good. Yeah, I was at my, I started out at minus five doctors. My glasses were Coke bottle thick. Yeah. Very thick. And I mean, this was a long time ago and it took me a long time, but we've had literally over the past decade, tens of thousands of people significantly reduce the myopia and many of them are back to 2020 at this point, having to realize that it takes about a year to reduce about a diopter. So it's not a quick, quick fix type of thing. It takes time. Right. So how did you get into this? How did you start figuring out like, hey, I'm going to correct my eyesight? Like what was the impetus for you to make these changes? Vanity. It was basically vanity. Vanity. But did you, I mean, were you not a good candidate for LASIK or did you like, I don't want to have my, my corneas cut open because LASIK was pretty freaking scary for me. So if I had a chance, if I had known, I would have been like, you know, I'll give this a try before I go. And the only reason why I got LASIK was because my son, we put money in a medical spending account in the United States. You have to use it in that year or you lose it. And we had, um, my son was going to get braces, but he was so freaked out by the orthodontist chair. We were like, he's not going to get braces because he's, he's terrified of going to the orthodontist. So I, I'm going to go and get LASIK so we don't lose that money. But otherwise I would not have done it. And it was scary. I mean, I'm glad that I was able to go without glasses because I didn't know about this option, but Something that takes a long time. I mean, I coach endurance athletes. They know about putting in time that takes, a, you know, you train for an Ironman for a year and that's just one race day. It's a nice option to have. Yeah. And, and the LASIK thing, by the way, is even on the FDA's own website, if you do enough searching, you will find a page that shows LASIK side effect risks. And it's shocking that the FDA itself shows significant risk factors that are permanent. No issue for you because if you didn't have them, you're not going to have them now. You're fine. But a fair amount of people have serious side effects after the surgery. Not oh, yeah, years they after. Have but halos and... Uh, dry it, eyes. 
Yeah. Yes. People have committed suicide over it. Like it is. Oh my goodness. I did not know that. Yeah. Morris Waxler, who was, who was in charge of having that approved, worked at the FDA. I'm in touch with every so often. And he himself deeply regrets that that was ever approved. And he was part of it. And is very outspoken against LASIK. It's a deal with the devil. The thing is, if you've gotten away with it, and if you're fine and you had no side effects, it's no big deal. I did when I first got it, I did have very dry eyes. And that was when I was eating a high carbohydrate, low fat diet. But actually Mm -hmm. a ketogenic diet, I don't know if that's the key, but my eyes have been fine since then. Good, yeah. Yeah, if you get away with it, it's fine. And it's, it's a topic, I think, that appeals mainly to people like who we're talking to, like your audience, who understands that you, you have to put in the work. There is no magic shortcut. The work is required to get the results. And, and reversing your myopia is exactly like that. Like You have to realize it's going to take some time to lay the groundwork to understand what you're doing. And then you have to change some habits and you have to put in the work. But you absolutely, like getting back to 2020 is no mystery because the only thing that happens is you remove the muscle spasm and you reduce your lens dependence till your eyeball axial length is back to where it should be. Right? And it's, it's incredibly worth it too because my life with glasses was completely different. And impetus, I forgot, we're starting with impetus. My glasses were so thick and it was like minus 4.5 or so at the time. And I went to the optometrist because I couldn't see the taxi signs anymore at night, whether a taxi was available or not. And I went to the optometrist and they gave me a minus five quote unquote prescription. And I looked at my glasses. I'm like, I cannot. The the stronger your glasses are, the smaller your eyes look behind them. So at minus five, I had these tiny little piggy looking eyes and I already don't have the best face to begin with. And I just, I was a single guy at the time. And I just, that was the moment. I'm done. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing more of this. I'm not. And at the time, there was really no internet the way there is now. So my research was all libraries and talking to people in the sciences, talking to optometrists, and I was traveling a lot. So in some countries, like in Russia, optometrists will tell you, do not wear your glasses if you don't need them. Otherwise, your eyes will get worse. Really interesting. Like in countries where there isn't this, this huge profit requirement, people are much more clear in what happens. Right. What are, where are you from originally? Germany. Germany. Oh, you don't have very much of an accent at all. No, I've been traveling since for many years now, so I lost most of it. Well, now you're, you have an eclectic accent. Actually, you I think sound it would great. sound better with a German accent, right? If I had the German accent, yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. people would like it more, right? It, well, <laughs> I don't know. I think people um, associate Germany, Germans with precision and um, engineering so maybe it would make you seem more like an engineer or like yeah i don't know it sounds fine to me so once you started doing this research and talking to people then you started doing the eye exercises how long did it take you before you really were like hey this is working too long too long it was actually a really terrible experience at first i did not know what i was doing I found biology books that were specifically discussing ocular biology and I found this axial change mechanism and I found the ciliary muscle stuff. So I realized that there must be a basis in this, but I made a huge mistake of going, I just reduced my glasses from minus what I needed, minus five, and I went straight to minus three 
for most people, the numbers probably don't make sense, but just think the percentage reduction was huge. So it was minus three. I couldn't see anything at a distance. And I bought these while I was traveling. I, I think I may have been in Vietnam at the time. And I, went, I remember I went to Laos, to some small town in the middle of nowhere on a bus, and I couldn't see anything. It was terrifying. And there were no optic shops there. There was no way to change my mind. And I have this thing where I have a hard time letting go once I start something. So I just stuck with the minus threes. And gradually my vision improved, but it was a brute force attempt that I don't recommend anybody else do because it was really terrible. And I think for, I kind of resigned myself that I was not going to wear stronger glasses. And it probably took me a good eight months or a year till I would sit in the subway and I'd be able to reasonably well see the sign of what the next stop was. So it was a rough start. Pretty uncomfortable. <laughs> it was no fun. And that's why I said earlier, don't just reduce your glasses. Like learn first, don't have an uncomfortable experience. Yeah, that's pretty scary whenever you feel like you can't see things. I mean, that's like being blind. So what's the worst eyesight that you have seen? Have you seen anybody who is legally blind be able to reverse their glasses? I mean, so bad that they couldn't have corrective that corrective lenses were not helpful. No, um, in that case, there is a limit, I think. And you have to realize that I have less data for extreme cases since extreme cases are less common. Uh, we reg somewhat regularly, unfortunately, get people that have over 10 diopters, 13, 14, 15 even, which is really bad because now you're running into a lot of risks like that, that are not my area, but like retinal detachment and lattice degeneration, all kinds of serious potential future complications. And I've seen those people reduce their dependence significantly. Like people that go from minus 12, minus 13 and higher that are currently at maybe minus five, minus six. And remember, it takes a year for a diopter. And I've only been doing this online for five, six years or so. So none of them are back to 2020 yet, but we've seen significant improvement. The important thing though, is you have to come into this still being able to see and still being able to make use of corrective lenses. Okay, that's good to know. Do you know anything about retinal detachment or nerve damage on eyes or is your topic, you're like, hey, I'm just into myopia. I had like my, I was on a mission to get rid of these glasses and that's just where your area of expertise. Yeah, I don't get into medical conditions. I'm not a doctor, I'm not trained. I have a huge respect for people knowing this stuff. Like when it comes to retinal detachment, that is a massive and serious medical condition that you should seek immediate help for. A surgeon is a fantastic idea there. Definitely not my area. And I absolutely recommend that people get their yearly checkups and listen to the ophthalmologist. I would stay away from the retail shops and malls, but going to a proper ophthalmologist and a proper checkup, I'm a big fan of. The only extent to which I'm aware of medical conditions is how they relate to myopia. The higher your myopia, the higher your risk to run into medical issues. And at that point, you want to see a doctor. I only deal with the precursor when there's no medical condition yet. You're just wearing glasses that you technically shouldn't need to. Okay. What happens whenever you lose your nearsighted sight? Like what's going on there? Do you have any information about when you start to need reading glasses? Yeah, that's a different thing. That's, that's called presbyopia. It's the, that lens in your eye that is flexible and that reshapes according to how close or how far you look. 
that lens hardens as you get older. So then the muscle that moves that lens can't move it as effectively. And so you start being able to see less and less clear, more and more close. So if you have a book straight in front of your face, yes. you can't yeah, that's age related. There's no real known. Darn. Yeah. That's that what happens. I want. I want yeah. it. Uh, I'm getting where I need something a little further and further away for closeness. Yeah. And, and since, so the root cause of that's different, we can't, we don't know how to reverse the hardening of that lens. So that just, that happens and it's not quite my area. However, what I found curiously is most people that have reversed their myopia or have significantly improved the eyesight who are now in that age range where you should have presbyopia generally don't need reading glasses. And oh, I, haven't, well. I haven't dug into this a whole lot because I'm already too busy just with myopia but it's extremely common. Every so often I ask, and I haven't run into anybody, literally anybody, and there's, again, many, many thousands of people that have reduced myopia significantly who use reading glasses. So there is something, and I think if I'm speculating, is you can use active focus and you can challenge your vision and you can probably keep your diopter dependence, your dependence on glasses to a point where you maybe don't need to wear something to read up close, possibly, but that's not really quite my Well, area. when I was wearing my glasses for driving, it made it harder to focus on things close up, but I don't wear them now. But sometimes, especially when I first wake up in the morning, I can't see anything close up. But then now, like I'm looking at my little paper, my little notes, and I can see about here. So not, not too bad. Yeah. And I think this is just you and I are having a conversation. Right. I think if you, if you continue challenging that and you're going to see better in natural daylight, also keep that in mind. So whenever you can have like natural daylight near a window, you're not going to have as much of that issue and keep challenging that and resisting using plus lenses, reading glasses, I think will help keep that at bay quite possibly. Oh, that's cool. I have read an article. There's a study in, in Australia about industrial seed oils, people who use hydrogen, eat hydrogenated oils, which people on this, listening to this podcast probably know that that's a bad idea. But that's one of the reasons why they get cataracts because of the cataract study, which I know is not your expertise, but it also affects like if your cornea changes the lens of your eye. Yeah, I believe the diet has a lot to do with things. It's not the primary issue with myopia. Like to, if you have myopia, if you want to reverse myopia, what we talked about is the thing. But because I'm dealing with so many people, again, this is one of just one of those curious tangents. People that usually have a better grasp on their diet usually have less complications with the eyesight as well. I see that super consistently and it makes me want to dig into that more. But again, I'm just already so swamped just with the one subject. But when stuff like keto comes up and people that go keto and the eyesight improves, it doesn't reverse the myopia, but it improves. I heard that so many times yes. that I really think that diet plays a big role. Well, a ketogenic diet is a lot less inflammatory. So if any inflammation affects everything. So if you have yeah. nerves or whatever, inflammation is going to make everything harder. Then you have less inflammation. And there are some folks, um, there's a group called Meat Hills, and it's all people who eat an all-meat diet and their success stories. 
And I believe they have a few success stories of people whose eyesights have changed. Yeah, and again, like I'm, I'm a big fan of science, and I'm because this subject is so new still and relatively controversial. I try to be really, really close to sticking to things that we can scientifically verify, you know, because it's already a strange enough of a subject. So I don't, I try to stay away from things that are anecdotal. But if you're going to say anecdotal, definitely I agree with you. I hear that a lot, and I think if you're already working on improving your eyesight by addressing the lens use. Including diet, I think, is important. Right. And I'm sure other factors like sleep and stress, those normal things that affect everything, your whole, the way your, your body works. Well, I do not see anything on their site about nearsightedness or myopia or eyesight. So no one has sent in a report that I've just read people's personal accounts, but they don't have that specific topic. Okay. Yeah, nobody talks about eyesight, unfortunately. Yeah. So, except for whenever they, I mean, it's sort of a scary thing, the idea of losing your eyesight. And I know. it's getting worse and worse. I mean, that just getting a stronger prescription is scary. Yeah. And, and, and we ignore it. And it's so embedded. Like, it's one of the things where I wish, like, there's discussion on things like keto, right? Like, there's a conversation happening. There's not necessarily consensus. People agree, people disagree, whatever. But there's a conversation. With eyesight, there isn't. And that's my biggest thing is I don't want people to agree with me or believe me or anything. All I want is the conversation to start and people starting to look at the studies and people realizing that there may be better answers than you're somehow genetically defective. Well, I love the idea that there's an opportunity to improve yourself, to improve your eyesight. Like, that's pretty exciting. You know, even if it takes years, like how long do like I'm 50, I don't have that far to go and I'm not wearing glasses anyway. All I need to do is just practice focusing. I mean, that's easy. But it's, it doesn't seem like it's, it's too difficult. No, it isn't. And it isn't. And then, but the thing is, people don't really think about the benefit, you know, like, even if you're minus five today, if you can be at minus four in a year from now, the stronger your glasses, the smaller everything gets. So literally your world looks smaller and kind of pinched and the colors aren't right. When you pull your glasses away from your eyes a little bit further, you start seeing how everything like gets twisted and smaller. That's how you perceive the world. So a year from now, the world's going to be bigger and the colors are going to be more accurate. It seems to help with depression that general sense of accomplishment. And eventually you get to a point where you don't need to put those silly things on your face. I think it's incredibly worthwhile. Oh yeah. I mean, to go without glasses and not have to be cut open. Yeah. It's worthwhile. I mean, it's, if you just do a little, I mean, most of the time for folks whose eyes are changing, if you get an eye exam every couple of years, your eyes, sometimes get worse, but it's probably, you know, like you said, that you're not practicing focusing. If you can just prevent yourself from having to get like a stronger set of glasses, that's a win. And to back off of your prescription, that's even more of a win. Yeah. And, and a thing I forgot to mention, which I guess is really important is measuring your own eyesight is a huge step in the direction of taking action because people listen to this stuff 
or they watch this or they get pulled into this conversation, but they don't have an actionable start. And the, the key thing to realize is everything that is done at your optometrist for measuring your eyesight, you can do at home because all myopia is and all those numbers on your prescription are is how far you can see before the blur starts. So if you measure how many centimeters, you just get a ruler and you put it next to your eye and the other end next to your screen or a book, and you measure where the blur starts, you can convert that distance into diopters. And you can also compare that distance, like how is it if I eat well and versus if I don't eat well, how is that next to a window versus in crappy indoor lighting? And if you do that for just a couple of days, you get pulled into this realizing that your eyesight is super variable and you can very easily affect it. That's usually where people get really started is they start measuring and they start realizing that they have some amount of control over what's going on. Oh, very cool. Well, we have been talking for almost an hour. So I want to let folks know where they can find you. The website where everything happens is endmyopia.org. From there, I, I put out, there's all the background science and vision biology and tangible how-to guides, how to measure your eyesight. I made a printable ruler that actually has diopters on it. So you can just print the thing out and then measure how many diopters you need at home yourself. We also have a big Facebook group and a forum and lots of community of people who care about their eyes. Oh, cool. I'm sure like for a lot of people listening to this, they probably had no idea of what all of this is like that there was even an option. Yeah. And even I have to catch myself because sometimes I have conversations and people go, whoa, I don't know what myopia even means. Right. Well, I thought it was, I mean, people call it being nearsighted. Like you can see things near, but not far away. I knew myopia was had to do with eyesight, but I couldn't, I didn't know if it was near or far sighted, but I was after reading your website, and looking at the information, I figured it out. So when you travel, are you giving talks on how to reverse myopia or are you traveling for another job? Um, this is not my career. I invest in various businesses and do completely unrelated, boring things. This is more my, my passion project. It's something I'm genuinely upset about is going on. It affected my entire youth. It's affecting a lot of my friends and their kids. So it's something I personally care about not related to my travel and I don't do talks I'm a massive introvert so even podcasts was kind of a reach for me for a while well they won't see your face so you don't have to worry (laughs) about that but you're a handsome guy even doing YouTube videos was traumatizing oh well long time yeah let me tell you Jake I'm an extreme extrovert and I love to talk to people but it's traumatizing for me to watch any YouTube videos I do, I can't stand them. And then I have someone else edit my podcast because I can't stand listening to myself. Oh, thank you for saying that. I feel the same way. And people share my videos in the Facebook group and I'm like, I can't even look at this because it's just, I'm never going to do another one if I see my face. I know. And then I, it's because it's you and you, for me, I hear all the filler words or sentences that I feel like were not complete sentences or run-on sentences or switching gears in the middle of a sentence. So I understand that completely. Yeah. 
but glad we're I, doing it. Yes, we're out here talking, and I think it's a very important subject because I started wearing glasses when I was, I think, a freshman in high school. So I didn't have them super young. But if I had known about this, or my mom had known about this, it could have been like, oh, well, let's let's change some things around and work on it and sort of prevent it from getting worse. My oldest son, when he was little, he could not see things close up. He could see things far away. So he didn't have myopia. And they changed his glasses every three months. And that specifically was to make his eyes stronger because he couldn't focus. After he got older, then his prescription started getting less strong. But they said if he had not been able to focus at all, he would have lost the ability to focus. Yeah, and that's accurate. And actually, babies start out with something called hyperopia. It's the opposite of myopia. The eyeball is too short, and that's in all babies. So they can't see up close. And the eye elongates based on that environmental stimulus, right? So they can't see their mothers clearly when they're very small, but because they're looking and looking and looking, the eye eventually gets there. And if something didn't work right in that mechanism or if something didn't happen properly, you can correct it with plus glasses. And as you reduce them over time, the vision adjusts as it would have naturally otherwise if everything had worked right. And then, as you said, eventually you end up with vision being fine. The other thing is now the ages are much younger. I get hundreds of emails a day. Like yesterday was about 700 that I have an admin for. But disturbingly, I get more and more parents in the more recent years with younger and younger children that are being, quote unquote, diagnosed with myopia. The screens become the babysitter, right? Like right. I see, I see well, babies in strollers holding far, smartphones, watching cartoons. Like it's no right. good. Because that's what... The kids want too. It's like a dopamine hit. You know, they get all the excitement. <laughs> it's not good, but I can see as a, why it happens. Kids see a phone. Even you go anywhere and you're sitting down at a table. My kids are grown, so they're, they're 21, 25 now. But you go anywhere with kids and they want to look at your phone. Even if you put it away, they want it. I'm sure that's why younger and younger people are having problems. Absolutely. And I have a four-year-old myself. And when he was born already, I had the rule of there is no phones, no phones, which meant adjustments for us. Like we don't use phones in front of him or very little. And while he watches cartoons, we have a distance enforcement, like 60, 80 centimeters at least if he's watching something on an iPad or something. And the funny thing is he was so small, he wouldn't speak yet right? And, but he understood a few words and scooch back was one of the first words he'd ever <laughs> known. Like it was a like baby level and he'd watch something and just his mom would go scooch back and he knows barely any words, but he would just kind of crawl back. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> He's like, I know that one. Okay, oh, so you on. can't prevent the screen use, but the, the distance is really, you can't give a baby a phone because the distance yeah. is going to be too close to the eye and it's going to create that stimulus. The eye is going to go, whoops. Wrong yep. length and myopia starts. What's sort of funny now that you were talking about scooch back, when I was a kid, they had the bigger, you know, the giant TVs that were you know, a piece of furniture. I'm not good with judging ages, but I guess I'm everybody's almost, around, around my I'm age. Almost, 
I'm almost 50. So, yeah. So we're about the same age. But the big, gigantic TVs, and who knows if this is true or not. They're like, you can't sit so close to the TV because it's bad for you. So we were always told to sit back away from the TV when I was growing up because they said it was like, oh, there's radiation coming out of that big TV. Yeah, and actually, my mom's a pediatrician, and we were told the same thing when we were kids by her. Don't sit so close to the TV. There wasn't that much detailed knowledge of what was going on, but they were on the right track. Like, you want distance from that thing? And that's right. ironic because now we have these phones that are way too close. Like, the way we're using those phones is just absolutely no good. Yeah. Well, it's definitely going to make me think about having things farther away, which <laughs> by circumstance, things are getting further and further away. I, because actually, right now, I can see fine when that's pretty close. But first thing in the morning, I can't. My eyes, I guess they're still tired, are not focusing at all. And in your case, in that case, it's kind of the opposite because you do want to challenge the closeness a little bit. But also, again, like compare the difference in natural daylight versus artificial lighting. And you'll notice there's quite a bit of difference. Oh, cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on my podcast and to talk about how to end myopia. I'm going to share this and hopefully more and more people listening to this and somebody will hear it and take action and want to reverse their myopia. I hope so. And I really appreciate you letting me be on your platform and sharing with your listeners. Oh, no measure problem. your eyesight. Just take one little baby oh, yeah. step. I'm going to download it and measure my eyesight and figure out since I, I lost the actual prescription pair of glasses that I was driving with that I haven't been using them and I really, I haven't really thought like, oh, I really need to find these because I have been focusing more on the street signs and this and everything. And I'm like, well, I guess I don't need them. Yeah. And I'm not making any official endorsements there because I don't want to get in trouble with your driving. But certainly if you can see well enough to pass a DMV and you're safe, I am a little safe. bit of challenge. Right. I, my eyesight's good enough to pass the, the test. Yeah, so you're fine. Yeah. Well, great. Thank you so much, Jake. It was great talking to you and have fun in Thailand and on your next adventure. Thank you so much.